Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey and you're listening to High Performance, the podcast that shows you it's within your ambition, your purpose, your truth. It's all there. We just help unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. And this is a slightly different episode where Professor Damien Hughes, my learned co-host of the podcast, is going to speak to my mum about life as my mum, as a parent, as a wife, um, as a daughter. It's to celebrate Mother's Day and we would love to shout out all the amazing mums and the mums-to-be and the dads who have to act as mums and the people who represent parents in everyone's lives. Um, You are invaluable and incredible and I really hope you enjoy this episode of the High Performance Podcast. so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, welcome along everyone to um, a special episode of the High Performance Podcast. And this is uh, celebrating mothers. Um, we love mothers. We love Mother's Day. Mother's Day is very soon. And we just thought it would be a really interesting opportunity, Damien, to look at high performance through the lens of a mum. Well, one of the things that we've often speak about, Jake, is that there's research on this that talks on the three things that impact the quality of your life are parents, postcode, and education. So... The influence of all three of them can't be underestimated. And I think so many of our guests have told us about the power of parents or guardians in their lives in terms of shaping their worldview, creating opportunities, lifting them up when we have difficult moments. And I think it's only appropriate that we delve a little bit deeper into it. Do you remember when we first started High Performance, you and I would have that conversation before an episode where I'd go, what are you most looking forward to about today's episode? Do you remember? And yeah, then yeah. we would do the interview. So let's revisit that. Like, What are you most <laughs> interested in when it comes to today's conversation? Well, I was going back and revisiting our episode with Sean Wayne recently, the England Rugby League coach, and he had that great line that how you do anything is how you do everything. And I love the idea that one of the things of how you can tell somebody's character is look at the people that have helped shape them whether it's their life partner that they've chosen to associate with, but also the role of a parent and how their outlook shapes our own. And given that we've been working together now for three and a half years on this podcast, I'm looking forward to delving a bit deeper into how your worldview has been shaped. Because on today's High Performance Podcast, in celebration of Mother's Day and mums around the world, my mum is here. Hello. This is very exciting. <laughs> very bizarre. <laughs> How out your comfort zone are you right now? Oh, quite a quite a step out. Yes. <laughs> so, listen, I'm going to lead on this because I because yes. I, I want to interview you, but I also want to then get Jake's interpretation of it because I think right. that that view will be fascinating. So, we start all these interviews with the same question, and I know you listen to this on your dog walks, which is, yes. "What is high performance to you?" Um, I really don't know what high performance is as far as a parent is concerned, is the honest truth. Um, There isn't a manual that says how to do it. It's suck it and see. It's experiment. And sometimes if you don't take any notice of what you're doing, it doesn't work. It could so easily fail. 
And I'm sure there are occasions when it has failed. But I just think as long as you're um, a loving family, which luckily we are, and maybe you just keep an eye on things and you talk to your kids a lot, and even more important, you listen to them. Um, I, th I, th I do find it a challenging question as to what high performance is. I do my best. But what I love is I that say. you've said I don't know, and then you've broken it down into at least five <laughs> okay. really important elements that okay. I think you're almost mm. not acknowledging the importance of them to yourself. Jake, what would you say is, is your answer to that question? Um, well, look, we had a motto as, as a family growing up. It got mentioned, still gets mentioned, which is roots and wings. And I think that that's where my mum and dad were absolutely incredible for us as children. I remember going on, did you listen to the episode I did with Rangan Chatterjee where I went on his yes, podcast? Yes. And, you know, I was busy saying, oh, I had a very normal upbringing. You know, it wasn't like a, a, a world-class upbringing mm. because we didn't come from money and we weren't like, you know, we didn't, we didn't have an entrepreneurial mindset and we, you know, all of these other things. And actually it was in that interview wrong and said, I, I think you absolutely had a mm. world-class upbringing. You need mm. to change your view that, just because it wasn't different or I don't know, like we, we weren't a family and we're still not really a family. Are we where it's like be not, not be the best, but like, you know, go and do amazing things yeah, and change the world. And it was encouraged you to strive to be better than anybody else. As, as good as you could be was actually fine. Yeah. Um, and why was that? Do you think? I think as, as long as you are happy in what you're doing, I never wanted you to feel that you were under pressure to be the first in the swimming race. Um, do you remember the bicycle race, Jake? Oh, I remember. Well, Go basically on. everything I did was, it wasn't great. Well, let's well, be honest, it, sporty, I wasn't great at anything. You, well, Not sporty really. things, you're very good at delivering newspapers. Sporty things. That's the level I've got. Was, was <laughs> not, you always aspired to do. And we had to say, it doesn't matter. You know, go and do the bike race. And if you come last, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to be, and it's fine. Um, what was I like then when I used to, f like, because I, you, you know, I messed everything up right as a kid. You know, I just, there was, I didn't excel, did I, at anything? We're going right up to when I was in 18, probably. Yes. I, what was I like then when I failed and messed up? And oh, and you cried a bit on the bike race. I do remember seeing this child so how old weeping. Was Jake then, Liz? Um, fourteen maybe. He joined a cycle club, and he all he ever wanted as a little child, he never wanted anything else but a bicycle. Um, he had a bike until he was four that had been welded by his uncle endless times because he wore it out. Um, no money was, for a new bike. When he was five, oh. he got a really smart new bike which lasted for years, um, and he was desperate to to be in a club, to be in a group um, when we moved to Norfolk. So he joined a fit sign cycling club yeah. and he in his mind was going to be the, the, the winner of the race and it was going to be fantastic and, you know, boy's own stuff. And he didn't. I mean, it was, a really, it was yeah. a really sort of sad thing to see this lad just getting further and further back on the, on the tour around. It was a housing estate, wasn't yeah. it, with roundabouts. Um, but, you know, it doesn't actually do you any harm. It does teach you that you're not somebody out of a film or a magazine or a story. You're just an ordinary person. And it was fine. I don't think it did actually Did I cry mattered. during the race? You did, yes. I'm sorry know, to say I, I had totally forgotten that memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now I remember I was crying while I was racing, <laughs> yes. wasn't I? I, could, I just was Realisation like, struck, Because I wasn't very good at much and was not successful at anything. I remember now, and this is a weird sort of thing to suddenly remember the emotion. I remember thinking, this is the day. Yeah. This is the night. Yeah. This is the day <laughs> that I show you all what I'm made of. And then I had total disbelief that after, it was like nine laps around a course or whatever, halfway through and I'm mm. so far mm. behind. I was in total disbelief that this had happened. Then I started crying and still yeah. raced still, the rest of the still, race. You still completed you still did it. it. You, didn't, you didn't And that was the important bit. It was very important, yes. So can I, I mean, I, I love the equanimity in which you're dealing with that, of you telling Jay that it, was, it wasn't important to be first or top of the class. It was just about mm. being happy. Mm. Now, I just want to jump forward a bit because I know a little bit about this story, about when Jake experienced being bullied at school. Yes. Now, as a mm. parent, that, that oh, speaks to your worst fears. Yes, Tell us. It is. How well, did you handle <clears> that? Um, well, it was bad luck. We moved house at the wrong time as far as friendship groups were concerned. He went into a primary school. Would you be nine? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, nine years and old. And yeah. all the little boys had their friendship groups. They played football together. And this lad came in and said, oh, I can play football. 
And I think he perhaps was a bit, you know, a bit cocky in their eyes. I don't know. And they really very soon realised he couldn't play football. He didn't have, you know, right. a right and left foot. Um, and very quickly, and you were a bit anxious. And I remember you used to sort of twitch your nose a bit and rub your nose. And um, and it, it, bullying just comes out of nowhere. And it's generally very nice children who can be involved in in bullying their friends. And you can't get away from it somehow. And he went to secondary school. It continued. It continued at Scouts. Mm. Um, and how many hours did we sit on the stairs? <laughs> awful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Tell us, Liz. It cause was. Because, I, I, I mean, it sounds awful, but I'm interested in that he's obviously emerged from that with some scars, but generally quite yes, healthy. More, but that's more not... positive than scars now. But at sure. the time, it was, it was sad. But tell um, us what you did mm. to help create that result we talked a lot we talked an awful lot and we encouraged him to believe that it wasn't his fault it was just something that was happening and he couldn't actually make it right um, and as a teacher i knew that children who are bullied have to change dramatically before it stops something has to be dramatic and we eventually went to the school and said you know this is un making him really unhappy it's making us unhappy um, and it shouldn't be happening um, and so the Next day in assembly, a member of staff stood up and said, right, Jake Humphrey is being bullied. It's got to stop oh. to the whole class or the whole year group, was that, wasn't it? I, I think it was either a year group or it could have even been a, one of those big all-school assemblies. Yes. And they made, yes. you know, you sit on the floor cross-legged. Yeah. Can Jake Humphrey stand up? Mm. You're a kid already being bullied. You need to stop bullying Didn't Jake Humphrey. Didn't help at all, did it? Um, well, can you imagine? Wow. <laughs> so you're a teacher and you yes, hear that. So, yes. So how do you process that to be able to deal with it in a responsible well, when way? When your own child, it's very different from if I was in school. Um, you know, if I was at school, I mean, I used to give safe space for children in my in my classroom at lunchtime and before school and so on. You know, open door always. Um, but that doesn't stop the bullying. It doesn't change other people's behaviour. And that's the really difficult thing. But all was well because we moved house. Jake went to the local school, came home. Wow, it's fantastic. People are so nice. And I've made a friend who is still a friend. And... The whole thing just was curtains closed. Yeah, a it? friend that was enough. At oh that yes, time. but it was. No, but it was though. It like was. to have one person yes. at school yes. was like, oh, yeah, got someone, you know. Mm. It's difficult. And the schools, school was great. And yeah, I think yeah. we actually did say to them, you know, there have been issues with friendship groups. Just keep an eye on him for us. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I my memory is planned, like um, I remember sitting on the stairs at Bishop's Close, our old house. Mm seeing you and dad in the kitchen and you're like happy and everything's fine and i'm sitting there thinking i've got to tell them i've got to tell them but you don't <laughs> want to tell your parents that, how bad it is because it makes them so sad <laughs> yeah it's horrible but, you know. yeah it is um, but that's the bit i'm intrigued about about how you handled it liz because we're parents ourselves mm. I'm, i've got two children i know you've got two grandchildren to Jake and Harriet. And I think sometimes that we're living it and feel it's very raw when you're in the a moment, yes, but I'm interested yes. in, in what advice or wisdom you'd pass on to the next generation of parents about how do you allow children to like, one of the great quotes for you on this is that what's hard for you isn't necessarily bad for you. Mm, it doesn't make it mm, easy for you either. Mm. Hmm. What advice can you give to anyone listening to this? Well, you know, I mean, you've got parents on two sides of the of the issue, haven't you? You've got parents who've got children who are doing the bullying or being associated with it. Because, you know, it's generally one kid and, and their little cohort join in. Um, and, and then you've got the child who is actually being bullied. Um, and it is all you can do is just keep keep you know, having their back and talking to them a lot and and really trying hard to encourage other things out of out of school, out of home. But you know, you went to Sea Scouts and it's all the same people, wasn't it? Yeah, it's um, weird how it sort of spreads. I mean I th what is the right thing to say for parents who are listening to this whose kids are going through it at the time? I mean the biggest thing is just that that sense that you're really safe at home. That was the yes. big thing for me. Yeah. And it is a you know it is I was quite old, you see. I was at high school. I wasn't mm. like a, you know, six or seven-year-old mm. struggling mm. with this. I mean, you just I was need teenager. to know that it isn't you, it's them. Yeah. And you're actually a valuable person. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you need to try and take their loneliness away from them because that is the hardest thing. Because you can tell mm. your brother and sister, but obviously they're your brother and sister, so they mm. take the mickey, right? Mm. As they would. And you can't tell anyone at school. And then at weekends, like, what do you do at weekends? Because you haven't got any friends. So everyone else is doing stuff and you hear the conversation, we're doing yeah. this, we're doing that. There's a party and you're not invited. And that loneliness is hard. Mm. Um, so anything you can say to a young person to let them know that, all right, I know you want a load of mates, but we're here for you. That is That for me was really powerful that mum and dad were like, because you also feel weirdly like, am I going to get told off because... Like, I'm in this, you know what I mean? Not that yeah, you've yeah. done anything wrong, but you, mm. that's how it happens, isn't it? You mm. feel like you're the problem. So you think, oh, if I tell my parents, yes. are they going to judge me in some way? So I think never make it anyone that's been bullied feel like they've done anything wrong. That's the single worst thing you can say. Well, what have you said? How have you acted? Yeah. Mm. You know, because even mm. like when mum goes, um, he tried to sort of claim he was good at football. The prob- That sort of rankles a bit with me because all I was trying to do was <laughs> get in. Was get get in. It was it. like, yes, of hey guys, I'm new. Yes. Of course yeah, you're going to yeah. say you yeah. can play football because... Yeah. At that time, that was how you judged the kids. Yes. The ones that could play football were right up there. Mm. So I think that was really important. And just that reminder that everything passes. Mm. And that one But day, when you're in it, that's hard oh, to take so on hard. board, isn't but it? But I now sit here and I am glad that this that I went through this. Because actually, you learn about people, you mm. learn about your emotions. Mm. You, I am pleased it happened, yep. as hard as it was at the time. Mm. Well, that brings us to uh, um, an item where you feature in the high performance tour that we do this because <laughs> we talk about, because Jake does a very powerful bit where he speaks about some of the toxicity of mm. modern life, especially mm. life on social media. And yes. there's a heartbreaking voice note that features you in it, responding to some of the messages that Jake's getting. Now for you and Rex, you're not people that engage in that kind of toxicity. You're not that people that, engage with negativity in many ways it sounds mm. like and yet through your son you've been forced to yes. confront it yes how does that affect you oh it makes me very cross initially very cross because it's so wrong it's so i mean it's just pathetic and then i think actually you know these people would never say anything like that to your face would they i'm sure people don't stop you in the never. street and say never. and you just have to think they just sad people and there's no point worrying about it. you can't do anything about it but it is hurtful even if you know you're doing a really good job you're doing your best you're trying to be as good a person as you can um it is really hurtful and i suppose it's perhaps linking a bit back to being young and being bullied maybe i don't know i hadn't thought about that so what advice do you give to jake and to your other children when they do experience some of those kind of messages that kind of i guess i would say it's it's their problem not your problem i think that was and that's really helpful advice actually and i remember having that conversation you know when twitter first started it was so amazing and positive and then it became so negative as it is today and i remember mum saying exactly that her saying you probably don't even remember having this conversation but i remember saying to you i don't understand what's happening suddenly everything on twitter is horrible whereas everything on twitter used to be nice and actually mum was the person who said look there's so much sadness and upset and anger and frustration out there. You know, people are angry with the government and they're mm. angry with global warming and they're angry with members of their family and they're angry with their boss. And she said, like, this is just an outlet for their anger. And I think the exact words you said, you said to me once, like, all these messages you get, they're all about them and they're not about you. Do you remember saying that? No. <laughs> and, that was really, <laughs> I and, I, and that was really nice because I was like, yes, that it's suddenly it means that it's nothing to do with you. You know, mm. people saying these things has nothing to do with you. And that's why on the, that really is on the High Performance Tour when I talk about, I translate one of the tweets into Spanish and I say, look, it's the same tweet mm. in another language because I can't understand it. It has no impact. And then that feeds right back into the central theme of high performance often, which is your reaction matters an awful lot more than the things that happen. Um, and I would echo that and say to mum, you know, don't you be triggered by it either. You know, I know it's horrible. It's your kid and you know that he's just, trying his best and working mm, hard but mm. no, I, don't, I, would, I would just everyone. say that what affects me is if you're affected by it yeah i'm not interested in the person who said it so can i ask you then as the mother of somebody that has chosen a, a like a public profile like jay cars because mm-hmm. you've also got two other children that have chosen not to go down a similar route good job isn't it well i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm just interested in terms of how you deal with that because i remember jake telling me that sometimes people when they speak to you 
when they say how's the family they actually mm. often mm. mean how's Jake I've yes. seen him on TV yes and Jake told me a really beautiful story about how you always bring in everybody the <laughs> in the other ones and yes. I'm interested in just your whole philosophy around that I, I love my kids all equally I love my grandchildren all equally they say who's your favorite today today they ask <laughs> yeah. I see I see such amazing things in my other two kids what they've done how they're doing it how hard they work and what nice people they are so Jake isn't special in the family he has a big sister who, when he first started work, was very keen on making sure he knew his place in the family. And the fact we were very pleased for him, but he was still the boy who laid on the sofa and ate crisps and nothing changes. Um, and I, I would honestly say to anybody, he is exactly the same as he's always been. But that's not an easy thing to achieve. I know you're saying it as a very matter of fact, but... It is matter of fact, really it is. I mean, I remember him having an interview for um, Blue Peter and I was at work and, I, and he, I don't know how I got the message. This is just bizarre. How can this possibly be happening? And that could have been the point where he, you know, went off and didn't get the job as it happens. But you could have gone off then and been lost to the family, lost to everybody and everything you knew and you know that just has never happened so it's not this is no credit on me it's all no I don't think it is all credit on me and no credit on you I mean you know I remember standing in the pit lane in Australia for my first ever Formula One race in 2009 and you know I've got David Coulthard and Eddie Jordan alongside me I've got A-list <laughs> celebrities left right and centre I've got a producer to impress I was given a one-year contract when I started the Formula One job and my boss said to me the first 10 seconds you go on air, everyone will make a decision and that will determine what happens next. They'd not give me much of a pay rise from my job on CBBC. Do you remember? I was yes. thinking this new job was going to make my like <laughs> financial future and it wasn't to be, but they knew I wouldn't say no, whatever they offered. And two minutes before we go on air for the first time, I rang mum and dad. And I did that, didn't I? Every mm -hmm. show, I think, mm -hmm. before and after. Mm -hmm. It just just grounded me it reminded me where it, where i'd come from and you know you know the story i got into tv because i failed my a levels which was probably a tricky day for mum because and i'm still a bit annoyed with her because after she, we'd got the a level results i remember her saying what am i how can i hold my head up in the staff room <laughs> do you remember that Liz? yes i do <laughs> yeah. and i'm thinking hold on a minute sod the bloody staff you work well, with high school <laughs> I don't know what my future holds now. All my plans have gone out I the window. Cross. Um, For that you day, were. I was cross. I know. Cross, but cross with who? With cross Jake. with Jake, yes, because I think he should have worked harder. He should have known he was a big lad. He was full of confidence and, and chat, and he should have known he was going to fail his A-levels. So once you processed that anger, yes. how did you pick him up? and Go and to get the head teacher, ask to redo your A-levels and come back to school, which he did. Um, Mum was always very much action is solves the problem here so right. i remember mm. and i you know i was i never excelled at school so i remember when i was behind in year 10 and we got my end of year report do you remember i Dave hid it under my i hid my end of year report under my mattress until I, it felt like a good day <laughs> to share it with them so like good things had happened I, we also had three boxes which was good average and poor do you remember for yes. what we'd done it yes so i tipexed out all the ones that were in the poor <laughs> and move them into the good thinking they won't notice that yeah, so i mean that how stupid is that <laughs> and i remember going oh they must have just got them in the wrong boxes and tip out um and mum then I, and i can still see it now you know those little notebooks with the ring on the top yeah, yeah. she wrote on the front of this notebook she wrote uh, this is just before the summer holidays you know the six weeks off in the summer after jacob's school report i would like you to fill in here please all the work which has been done to a low standard or that he's missed and we will do everything we can over the summer to catch up and then the rule was do you remember that summer holiday i was not allowed out with any of my mates or and anyone he had else mates then. he had lots of mates this is when we moved <laughs> schools by now things were much better i was not allowed out until after lunch and the whole morning for the whole summer holiday was catching up my work ethic comes from the work ethic at home that work solves pretty much every issue 
From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, look, as you know, in high performance, we love to highlight businesses doing things a better way. That's why we're proud to partner today with Mint Mobile. And when I found Mint Mobile... I had to share it with you. They've ditched retail stores and all the overhead costs and passed those savings on to you. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. That's unlimited talk and text plus data for $15 a month. And for me, those numbers are fantastic. I've been paying way more than that for my whole life. So if you hate your phone bill, Mint Mobile can offer you premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All the plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can choose from three, six or 12-month plans. Say goodbye to your monthly phone bills. So to get your wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash HPP. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash HPP. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Today's episode of High Performance is in partnership with MindLift, and many of you may have heard already that in 2023, I decided to give MindLift a go, the neuroscience-based personalised brain trainer to improve your focus and your relaxation. So I popped on the headband, I downloaded the MindLift app and connected to my own personal neuro coach. And look, because of my job as a podcaster, I get to experience so many different things that people tell me are going to benefit my life. And in all honesty, once I started using MindLift, I just found that I felt sharper, my focus was better. And I think something else that you can't necessarily feel is that it offers an improvement for overall brain health. I also was really reassured by the fact that this is trusted by clinicians around the world. I know for a fact it's used by top athletes. I've spoken to some of them about how much they love it. And the fact that the whole experience is customised by your own neuro coach, I think just makes it really smart. So if you want to get involved and you're interested, now is the time with a $40 discount exclusively for you. And if you want to get $40 off your first subscription, just go to mindlift.com slash highperformance. That's M-Y-N-D-L-I-F-T dot com slash highperformance. So Liz, you brought some items that uh-huh. are related to your son and to parenting. <clears throat> well, and I haven't seen these. These were items that I thought were going to be, you know, um, following the path of Jake's life. Um, do I give them to him? These two are oh. the roots and wings. Ah, oh, there they are. So that is my grandpa. Oh, How amazing dad. is that photograph? That it's makes amazing. you emotional, right? Mm. Why? So what year would that be, Les? 1932, I think. Why does that get you? Mm. He's handsome. <laughs> He's handsome, he is. And young. <laughs> and he wasn't on active service. He joined the Colstrian Guards back as soon as war broke out, but they said, no, we've got no police officers. So he was shipped back to um, to Derbyshire Police Force. Wow. And the, um, the but, big... Go on. Well, I was just going to say, I think that, that really shows you wings from a, a young... <clears throat> the other one should have been first, really. The fact that he came from a very, very... Sort of poor village family with no money, no prospects, and you couldn't even stay out at school because his family couldn't afford to send him. Um, and he, you know, had dreams and met them. So tell us, what were the qualities or the characteristics of your dad that you, that you see in both yourself and then in your children and grandchildren? I'd say attention to detail, man. Yes. Do you remember? He's quite a sticker. Ha- not a hair out of place. And his shoes were polished every day. Taught his laces were straight every day. So how you um, do anything is how you do everything. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So when I do yeah. a, a TV show now and I clean my shoes before a, a football mm. match, I do them myself. When I was working in Formula 1 travelling the world, I would iron my own shirt in the, yeah. in the Winnebago. Like, no one else irons that shirt. No one, like, he was... Mr. But he was very kind. He was a very kind chap. Yeah. And then the other photo is my granddad. So that's my dad's dad. Basically a pretty <laughs> common pose for him, sitting in his wheelchair, wearing <laughs> loved, a sun hat, eating food. He loved to barbecue, didn't he? And can I ask a related question to that? Because Jake has spoken 
powerfully in the past about his grandmother's suicide. Yes. In relation to that. And I mean, and, and Jake's spoken about the impact it had on him. I'm interested in the impact that it had on you at that time. Do you want to make me cry? Oh, no. <laughs> God. Um, she was lovely. <laughs> I'll get you a tissue. <laughs> she was the nicest woman, wasn't she? Yeah, amazing. Um, she was great to me. <laughs> How could I cry after all these I know. years? <laughs> She's much missed. She was lovely. But she just couldn't. Her, her husband died. Her dad died. Would her it son? be six months, six yep. months later? Yep. And she just couldn't see the future which was really sad. She was good fun. She was... She and that, was you she know, was she good. left a, a note for the family. It was written on a calendar, wasn't it? The back of a calendar. Mm, can't remember. And I remember in it, you know, she just wrote, just go and do amazing things. And I think we all carry that now. That was the message that she left for you. That was her legacy. It's a shame she's missed it all. Yes. You can tell we're proper criers in our family. No, well, thank you for sharing <laughs> that. It feels like yesterday, doesn't it? It does. Mm. Mm. So what's your next item, Liz? Uh, this is to do with cycling. I mean, I just said something from China. <laughs> I don't know I've still got these. <laughs> we used to go for bike rides as a family. We lived in Peterborough. There were cycle rides everywhere, and there's somewhere called Ferry Meadows, which would be about, would it be about four miles away? Fantastic park area. So we had Rachel and Jacob, but Tom was too little to put Thomas on. So he's. Oh my goodness. How, how beautiful. We were, I think we used to. I mean, they're dreadful. Do you remember skunk. I was surprised that everyone knew our names? Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> we, hey, Jacob. I put, yes. I put these names on I their back. Preparing uh, you for fame. We used to call. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Jacob. So, how do we know all these people on this bike ride? <laughs> So they were just... We cycled they, everywhere, didn't we? Well, this is... I mean, yes, your dad used to take you to nursery on, on the back of the bike, didn't he? Um, and cycling was a great thing, living in Peterborough, because it was so easy. It was so flat. Um, and Jake's abiding passion was cycles until... We were about 16, I suppose. You, yeah, probably. Until I got my bike nicked out of the shed. Yes. So even that bike race your mum described earlier, that didn't kill your passion for it? No, I think I did a couple more. That was the first one, I think. I still did you a couple more after that. You used to ride out that, with them, didn't, didn't you? But yes. And then eventually I did, yeah. Eventually I just used to go on a Sunday, sort of do the training rides, but mm. decided that maybe the competing wasn't for me. <laughs> do you still cycle now? Yeah, not much, but still dream I could compete in the Tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see those those bibs there, how, like, what's your reaction to them? Um, just like all being together. I like seeing the names like Tom and Rachel on there. Like, you know, we, we were like five. a little family of ducks. Weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did like, we didn't do anything extravagant. Like we had no money really as a family growing Not up. Really, did we? No. I mean, I think I'm right in saying my dad, what was dad's salary when he actually retired at the end of his career? It was like 30 something grand a year, you know, at the end of his whole career. Um, yeah. You know, we were not a rich family at that time. So mum was a long time ago. Yes, but mum was, you know, part-time teacher, dad, charity worker. I was full-time for the last 20 years. Were you full-time when we were little kids? No. No. Till we moved to New So I remember those days um, and just like, so there was no extravagance, right, to keep us happy. The stuff to keep us happy was, let's go on a bike ride, mm. let's play in the garden. I mean, the, the other big thing that I sort of remember when I think of this period and all the way through my whole upbringing is hard work. Like, and I struggle with this a bit now, home is like a place that I work all the time. I find it hard to be at home and to not have a list of jobs and tick them off. I mean, I remember constantly every single weekend, mum and dad would sit down on a Saturday morning with an A4 paper with a list. I'm like, Liz, what are we going to tick off this weekend, wouldn't you? Yeah. And dad would then go through the day ticking off the jobs. It but we was, also had lots of jobs to do for our jobs, didn't we? Yes, you know? it, was, um, it was a work ethic house. Dad would work late. I remember him coming, often coming home and having his, like food on his lap, wouldn't he? Mum did marking and homework for her teaching job all evening and all weekend and we we did fun stuff but we weren't like we didn't just walk around norwich did we dad didn't take me to watch football did he it was no. weekends were a place for we work just, we used to sometimes when we when we moved to norfolk have a supper at the local pub on a friday night yeah. at the end of the working week but that was about the <laughs> most yeah. extravagant Grafters. but when we think about the 
parents set the example our children are absorbing messages mm. even if you don't mm. explicitly tell them what do you see in jake and in tom and in rachel that you think you can draw a direct line to you and rex and the example you set i don't know whether i can do that because you you can't look at yourself can you I can't objectively think I did this or this or I'm, I failed to do that. Um, but I do think that, um, I mean, your grandma, Ina, was very influential. She was a sparky, feisty person. She had loads of friends. She really enjoyed her social life. Um, she enjoyed most things she did. And I do see Rachel, our daughter, has got lots of Grandma Ina's traits. She yeah. loves to garden. Grandma, you know, she would say, I'm going to have that tree up. And she would dig a tree up, wouldn't she? Just because yeah, yeah. she thought she could. And yeah. That's did. probably actually where Very when we... Very determined. When we reflect on her and like, it feels really raw and painful, it's because of that probably, isn't it? Because she had, she was so full of like yes. life and yes. like, it, you know, she just did amazing things. She made stuff happen. Mm. Power, well, mm. willpower. Yes. Was, um, and I think all three of us have got like, you know, my brother runs his own business. That's hard work. Mm. My sister works for the NHS. That's mm. hard work. You know, I mess around on the telly. You could probably argue it's not such hard work, but there's, <laughs> a, there's work, an element of that. Work hard. You know, I think um, that willpower and that heart, like the work ethic from my mum and dad is something that I'll forever be grateful for. It makes it sound very dull, doesn't it? No, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I, I, when I see those bibs, I'll tell you the effects it has on me. I mm. remember before I became a parent, my wife and I went on, because we said we don't know what we're doing. And we mm. knew somebody that ran like a parenting skills course. <laughs> and we just went to find out what they do, do as a mum and dad. Yeah. And there was an exercise that that reminds me of where they asked us all to write down our strongest memories of being a child and the impact of it. And when we collated them, there was two things that were common. One, it was all low cost activities. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't mm -hmm. anything, it wasn't about expensive mm -hmm. outings mm -hmm. or games or presents. But the second thing was it inevitably involved the parent that's nice and i i mean that's what yes. that makes me uh, or, or that's mm. where it takes my mm. mind when i look at those mm. bibs of that's not expensive to go out on the bike no but you remember it because you might have had mom an ice cream when you got there if we were lucky <laughs> yeah you're right that family connection mm. so tell us the third item then please oh, the third item is a bit it's even more random it's um i had a ticket but it's actually um i just wanted to um emphasize how your relationship with your children very much changes as the years pass um you know to begin with you are the god in their eyes i'm sure you they do everything you say and everything you you want them to and then they change and you change and you have separate more separate lives and we have we have very separate lives but very involved lives we live within walking distance of each other which is quite bizarre and we do enjoy doing things and going out together um at christmas rex had a quiz the, and it was a question for the women in the family, so four of us. What would your favourite thing to do on a Sunday afternoon? I mean, we all wrote down what we thought. They were all identical, weren't they? And what was the we answer? We liked to go to the beach with the dogs and have a pub lunch. And that was everybody's favourite thing to do on a Sunday. And Jake introduced us to Matthew Bourne because he lived next door to one of the Matthew Bourne dancers at one time. And I'd never seen modern ballet. I didn't think I was particularly keen on ballet with tutus and you know, little headdresses and things. Matthew Bourne's ballet at Sadler's Wells, Swan Lake, wasn't it? Yeah. Blew me away. I think I've only seen it three times, but we've seen all the ones that come to the, and they come to, to the theatre in Norwich and they are just wonderful. And it's, it's sort of things like that, that we have really enjoyed and passed on our um, appreciation of different things. I would perhaps never have gone. It's weird. You end up learning um, from your kids. In that's somewhere. right. That's right. I mean, there's, there's sort of several things that I have done. I have ridden a motorbike in London in the traffic. I would never have done that. Go on. We went to see Hamilton. Jake treated us, was it for a Christmas or a birthday or some special event, treated us to go and see Hamilton. And we arrived at the station and I assume we were getting on the, the tube and he said, no, 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 our transport's over here. I thought, oh, taxi. Quite nice. Posh. Um, anyway, there were just three guys standing there with motorbikes. <laughs> I thought, what is going on? Here's your helmet. Well, it was the most exhilarating. It's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Um, so, you know, older kids can be sort of your friends as well, your kind friends that do nice things for you. Lovely. 
I love that. Because mm. we were talking about this recently, Jake and I, where you'd seen something that resonated with you. said It was somebody talking about success as a parent is when your children want to spend time with you, when Aww. they don't have to. And that's a really yeah. beautiful encapsulation of it. It is nice. I mean, I think there was a time when you felt a bit remote simply because you were based in London and we were all in Norwich. And there was always a little wistful, oh, we did that together sort of feeling. And you used to phone every day, didn't you? Yeah. When you lived in Norwich, a day didn't go past without a quick phone call from Jake, which all our friends thought, this is really weird that he should phone you every day. No, it's only a minute. It's only, hi, I'm all right. And, um, and you don't do that anymore. Because I live nearby and I see know. them. I mean, they, my mum and dad have my kids after school on a Tuesday with every other grandchild. So they <laughs> yeah. have seven grandkids on a Tuesday after school, which is quite a feat. But I remember speaking to you once about this because you said, oh, I have to go. And it sounded to me on the other end of the phone like it was like a Swallows and Amazon sort of experience where the kids were climbing trees and Possibly. they were sort of doing like, there was no tech involved. It was about just be doing what mm. it sounds like mm. you your three children experienced of being outdoors and yes. just playing. I like to keep them away from screens. It's not easy, um, especially when it's raining or, you know. I don't mind if they're playing together on a game, but actually I don't like it much. So how are you different as a grandparent than you were as a, as a parent? Much the same, I would think, am I? Yeah. I mean, me and my older sister, who's not much older than me, we were walking ourselves to school. How many miles? Two? Felt like two. I bet it blooming well is. Well, perhaps it is, yes. A couple of miles to school. I would have been, when I left Peterborough when I was nine, so I'd have been mm. seven or eight, mm. my six, seven, eight. Mm. Right? My sister would have been eight or nine, and we were walking. I mean, that's the same age now as Flo and Seb. Yes. yes. I can't imagine Flo and Seb walking out of the front door, walking two miles to school, mm. and you just assume you'll see them at the end of the day. Mm. But it, that was the way that mum and dad were and still are as grandparents. I mean, I once went to collect our kids after school one day on a Tuesday, and one of the grandkids was in a tree and he said, I've been, in, I've been stuck in here for 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I'll get you down. And you go in that. the house. And, but that's brilliant because that doesn't, young sort of modern parenting doesn't let your kids do that. They no, I just think I hear. You know, if somebody, the little one does fall over a lot because um, he tries to keep up with his big cousins and somebody just brings him in. You know, Joe is nearly 15, nearly 16. Oh, can't believe it. Um, and they just look after each other. So, you know, if there's a problem, that somebody will come and tell. Eddie's yeah. got a wet foot, he's put it on the ice in the pond. And, and I think they keep mum and dad young as well. Well, mum young, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think yeah, my, I think mum has a real awareness of getting older, don't you? Oh, you, I hate it, yes. She hates it. Mm. She has a sense of her mortality now. Mm. Like that feeling <laughs> that, are you going to be at Francis's wedding? I know, Probably I know. not. Flo or Seb's, hopefully, maybe not. Mm. This, I get this constant sense from mum that she wants to pack it in now. She wants yes. the kids to have memories of being at her house and impact them while you can. Yes, I mean, I you know, we don't spoil them. We don't do exciting things. They just play and we feed them. Um, but it's it's very nice to hear, you know, the chat from from parents as to what the kids have said about being with us and what they've done. And they, I just want the kids to relate to each other, know each other, be best friends. I think you see that as your legacy. The yes. cousins almost yes. having a brother-sister relationship. Mm. Well, they are my stake in the future, aren't they? Let's ask a question about that. And I want you to overcome your natural self-deprecation <laughs> and tell me. <laughs> when your grandchildren are one day interviewed and they're asked to like, tell us about your grandma, what do you want them to say about you? Oh, I don't know. They loved me. <laughs> she's off again well, there's nothing else to say to that no. is it that's that says everything they goes, will, by they will. <laughs> goes by quick goes they will by way too quickly yeah so jake what well let's build on that then and ask when you think of your mum what like what are the immediate thoughts that come to mind what would the you the first want? thing is um, and probably the most important thing, I would just say, as you can see today, she left it all out there. You know, very emotional. Her emotions run very close to the surface. But I think that's because she cares. Like, you can see the love for her dad still, who's been dead for almost 30 years. The love for her mother-in-law, who, like, you know, she clearly 
dearly loved, the love for her grandchildren, the love for her job being a teacher, the love for the kids that she taught for all those years, the love for my dad, the fact they've been together for so long. And, you know, he can be a tricky at times. <laughs> Only I, for a short time. She left it all out there. You know, <laughs> she let you know how she felt about you. There is, you know, when my mum finally isn't around, nobody will go, oh, I wonder whether she really loved me. I wonder whether she really cared. Like, we know how mum feels about us. And I think that's mm. the most important thing. So can we ask you some quick fire questions then in relation to... How are you with quick fire? I don't know. Well, take your time and we'll see how we get on. Okay. What would you say then are the three non-negotiable behaviours for being a parent that you would like to pass on to listeners? Set a good example. Listen to your kids. And... I suppose being encouraging. Whatever they think they would like to do, have a go. Give it a shot. So what advice would you give to a teenage Liz just <laughs> before she became a parent? Oh, enjoy life a bit more. Be a bit braver, I think. I think to some extent it was circumstance. Living in the fence, there's not much going on. Um, but I, I would advise me to be braver. What would you say is your greatest strength as a parent and your biggest weakness? Greatest strength? I'm there. Biggest weakness? Can't change. You can think of this. Oh, pointing out my mum's weakness. Yeah, you can. Uh, it's very hard to point out a weakness for your, for your parent. <laughs> for you. because Well, it is for yourself, isn't it? You, I can't accept that, you know, I haven't found a weakness and done something about it. There you go. But, That's a nice insight into yeah. the way that my mum and dad have lived. I can't yeah. accept that if I'd have found it, I wouldn't have dealt with it. You wouldn't have dealt with it, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Will that do? It was a great answer. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answers. It's not a Tesla's. It's, it's well, you know insight, what I mean. You know what I mean. I've, I do, and it's a lovely answer. If you could go back to one moment of your parenting life, what would it be and why? Um, I suppose we're a very chatty family. Um, and if there was not an extra person round the table, um, it was unusual for, you know, most weeks there'd be somebody else, some other friend. Um, I can't remember which friend when dad got um, a ruler out and measured the pie so that everybody got exactly the same. Do you remember that? <laughs> what, um, an actual physical ruler? An actual physical yep. ruler and it was a round pie and it, we had obviously extra person for tea and he was measuring. <laughs> uh, but I think the, the general kerfuffle and, and hubbub round the table at meal times and it used to get so and still maybe sometimes still does and do you remember whoever held the pepper pot everybody else had to shut up and listen to that person to make the point they wanted to make um so those sort of things sitting around a table eating together and when you've got little kids or even little ish kids like we have sometimes it gets a bit much doesn't it always people always busy always mad i think that is a good lesson for these days, it's, the house is quiet quick, isn't it? Mm. Before you know it, they're gone. Yes. And the house is silent. And you, you know, the one thing mum wants back is the madness every single mealtime. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which, uh, it's a good lesson for parents of young children now. If there was a motto to describe your style of parenting, what would it be? Oh, give it a go, I think. Whatever you think, give it a go. And if it's wrong, then you change it. And finally... What would you say is your one golden rule for being a parent? Always, always treat everybody with respect, I think. Make sure you involve everybody equally. Thank you so much. Damien. Jake. Um, look, I know it's my mum and obviously I think the world of her and I really enjoyed that conversation actually, although it's kind of strange in equal measure but I really hope that for you know maybe for some young parents listening to this for someone who's got children in their 40s that they can learn from what my mum spoke about and remember like the power of connection is so important when it comes to parenting just being a parent isn't enough being a present parent is what matters yeah definitely I, I mean from my point of view thank you it was a real privilege to you and to your mum that you were prepared to both speak so candidly and honestly about it about the highs and the lows of your experience and of being a parent and 
it was that that I said to you, Mum, in it that like when I became a dad, that I, I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't. My kids would probably say, but when I went on that course and understood that it was about didn't have to be expensive stuff you did. It was about just being there and doing stuff with them. The the power of being present is really important. And I feel like I, I, I've lost sight of that along the way sometimes where I've sort of gone and worked myself to a frazzle thinking that I'm doing the thing, I'm doing it for my family. And it like for me, COVID was a big one because it forced me to be home and it made me realise that kids weren't bothered about what I was bringing in. They were bothered about me being in and being there for them. And I think listening to your mum was a powerful reminder of that for me as well. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the three things that she chose to bring in, in a little carrier bag of joy, a photo of my grandparents. Well, that's not something that costs money or that you buy or that is material. And then three bibs worn by me, my brother and sister went out cycling. That is representing us being together as a family and then the final one, which was a program for a theatre show that I took her to when I was a lot older. Again, it was not to do with the theatre show. It was to do with the connection. All of those things that she brought were about human connection. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's something there that any of us can can recognise. You know, we always say that definition of high performance is doing the best you can where you are in the moment you're in. And I think... That is exactly what your mum said, that you don't need great wealth, you don't need great privilege, you don't need lots of advantages. You just need to care to be there in the moment and be consistent in the way that you show up and show your love and affection. Oh, and by the way, if you're a parent listening to this or a parent-to-be, or you're a child of a parent, all of us are, um, you do feel like you're getting it wrong 99% of the time, right? (laughs) So have an understanding that that is kind of the default mode is oh i messed up as a parent we all feel like it and uh well i was having this conversation with my wife recently because we're saying even if you did everything perfectly that would create issues in its own right because Mm. life isn't perfect so when your children grow up and become an adult and these experience imperfections they don't have the uh, the minerals to be able to cope with it so it's not about getting it perfect it's just doing the best job that we can at that moment in time and like, I love that point your mum said, just keep talking. So sometimes admitting, you know, I cocked that up, I got it wrong. I think when I've done that, say, with my son and daughter, and I've admitted, made a mistake, that I wasn't the best dad I could have been for you. They're remarkably forgiving in terms of my own inadequacies or my own failings. Well, look, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for steering the conversation so well. No, it was a privilege, mate. Thank you for letting me do it. Well, thanks as always to listening to this episode of the High Performance Podcast. I hope that it was an interesting insight into the way that I've been brought up and the lessons and the moments that have perhaps shaped the way that I see the world. And huge thanks to my mum as well. Very much out of her comfort zone coming on here and talking in that way. So hugely appreciated. And of course, without the great questions and the brilliant steering from Professor Damien Hughes, it wouldn't have been anything like it was. So thanks to Damien as well. And don't forget for you listening to this, you can get even more from us. You can check us out on YouTube, or you can head to thehighperformancepodcast.com to see all the things that we're up to. Thanks for listening. 